Hey everyone, it's Mind Rolling. Raghu is back. Here I am. And I got two new friends today. They're fairly new, and we just spent some time together out in California. Dakota Wint and Koi Fresco, welcome to Mind Rolling. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. humans of Earth. <laughs> uh, okay, just to give a, some idea, uh, how I met you is, uh, actually, it's a weird thing. Um, well, you guys wrote, right? Or Dakota, one of you wrote. Yeah, I wrote I wrote to you. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't even know what the, what my intention was. I just wanted to be surrounded by you guys. So it was, but what happened... <laughs> What happened with us is that uh, we said hi, you know, you know, we love to meet new people, especially. And uh, so, at the the next thing that we understood was that both of you have uh, very robust, shall we say, YouTube channels, right? Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and then uh, Rachel, who works with me on a day to day and runs Ramdas dot org came to me and said, you know something? These two guys are ranking <laughs> higher than Ramdas is on Ramdas. Okay? <laughs> Ramdas.org is on Ram- I, we, I went, what? That's insane. Anyhow, so then we started talking, and, uh, and uh, after looking at your sites and seeing the kind of content that you put together, not just Ramdas, mm-hmm. tons of great stuff around consciousness and culture and so on, I mm-hmm. thought, wow, uh, no wonder, because it's they're they're really beautiful sites, and uh, and the way that they talk to uh, your audience, which is obviously both. Uh, let everybody know, both these guys are in their early twenties, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so uh, it's, uh, of course, it makes sense that they're going to be able to talk to that audience in a way that, although you know what, after we all met in California. A few weeks ago, and you met some of the people that are involved with Love Serve Remember. They're all in your wheelhouse, right? I mean, so oh it's yeah, not, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. We have yeah. a group chat on, t- on our phones. We all text each other still. Oh really? Pretty much every day. Yeah, every day we, we're all talking to each other, all of us. Okay, so how did this all happen? That's what I. I mean, the big uh, picture for me is like I want to know how it all happened for you guys because uh, you know I like comparing it to how it happened to me way back when, and I also think, and and I think this is a. A good arc for the podcast is that I really believe that many of the stressors and uh, uh, and uh, social occurrences, both political uh, polarization between the wealthy and the the, the uh, middle class, and so on, all of those kinds of things, uh, the environment issues, the war issues, all of those things were very apparent, and they they do connect with what's going on now, although. No doubt we have the topper uh, in terms of the political situation that, uh, I mean, we had Nixon. So, what you know, it was uh, for uh, left-wing liberals and young people, it was, uh, it was a tough time. Um, so I think there is a tremendous arc between the late 60s mm. and right now. I want, and I kind of want to use that as, yes. a, as a way to reference what we're talking about. But first, just tell me, uh, start with uh, Dakota. Yeah. What happened that moved you into a path to, uh, let's just say it plainly, to get to know yourself a lot better? Oh, okay. So it started uh, for me, my initiation into myself. Uh, it was just mushrooms. I took mushrooms. 
just kind of did. I didn't even think anything of it. And wasn't taking it for like a spiritual context or anything like that. It was just taking mushrooms to take mushrooms. And I just had some profound realizations that, you know, showed me that my capacity of consciousness was a lot deeper than I thought it was at the time. And that was, you know, my, my, my first, uh, uh, glimpse into myself, uh, on that sort of level. And from there, yeah, it's just sort of been history. I've, I've worked with a few different psychedelics that have just constantly reaffirmed that there's something beyond my identity. And, uh, that led me to sort of, you know, Eastern practices and, uh, traditions how's that that's that's funny i mean you know i would have said the same thing all those years ago it's how is that it's i don't well it's uh, it's weird it's like they it seems like we are made to have this experience regardless it's like our bodies are made to have this sort of experience whether it be through you know yoga or through uh Meditation. meditation or through psychedelics it's like it's like we're we're equipped to have these realizations it's like it's almost like we're you know, it's the next step of our awareness or our evolution or something like that. So I'm not sure why. It's just, you know, it's I guess truth is just truth. So it seems like, you know, I, I take mushrooms and then I read like the Upanishads, you know, some of these Upanishads. And it's like it's like they're saying what I just had happened to me. So you it's know, like, how are these people thousands of years ago talking about what I just had happen to me in the, my backyard of my house? Yeah. You know what Ramdas says about he also took a mushroom trip. He also had these realizations, <laughs> and then uh, Aldous Huxley gave him Tibetan Book of the Dead, which gave yep. him an idea. That's okay, <laughs> wait, there is a lexicon. There is a, there is a map here that points to the right? experience. And you life. always feel like you're you're like discovering something new, like you're embarking on like some some un untraversed territory. But you're like, oh, this has the, been uh, this has been thousands of years ago. These people have been talking about this. Yeah, especially with the Tibetan Book of the Dead, I always tell people who are afraid of death or don't even want to learn about death to force themselves into the Tibetan Book of the Dead because that's something it. that'll it just kind of shakes up your whole foundation. You know, it's it's a lot to process in, in a single book. Yeah. By the way, just uh, just as a sideways thing here, <laughs> the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying is an extraordinary book. The Tibetan Book of the Dead, on its own, can be very difficult. Uh, and and probably needs there's uh, we'll put up on the page some translations that lend itself a little bit more to Western being a, a Westerner right. being able to get to, to grasp it. Uh, but the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying by Sogyal mm-hmm. Rinpoche yeah, is Sogyal. totally intended in that direction of to yeah. the West, uh, particularly uh, great for anybody. And we're all going. I mean, you know. Yep. Parents die, uh, friends, all you know, shit happens uh. every day, and it's good to be prepared <laughs> a little bit. So, right. uh, Koi, what? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, what's your story? Uh, it spanned. You know, it took a while, which is why I, I feel so blessed to have just awoken at all. But it more so kind of started as a as a kid. I was very into um, just drugs in general, just smoking, drinking. My ego was in, in full force, and I ended up going to jail actually after a, a DUI accident for over a year, for about a year. Really? And while I was in there, you know, coming out, I didn't realize at the time, but while I was in there, you know, it, it's kind of like a monastic life. It's very similar to monastic life because you have to keep completely shaved, one outfit, the same meals every single day in a big room with white walls. So after a while, you know, you, you have nowhere left to go externally. And so for me, luckily the dorm room I was in, we had access to books and I 
I had been into Buddhism a little bit because I'd fallen out of Christianity at a young age, about 12, 13. And I just had never really picked anything up since then. So fast forward, you know, six, seven, six years to when I'm 19 and I'm in jail. Uh, before I'd gone in, I, I kind of dabbled in Buddhism a little bit. But I found a book called The, uh, the Tao of Pooh. It's a very simple, very simple, you know, picture book talking about basically the Tao and the way. And for me, it just, it was kind of that spark of what I've been missing and where I, well, why hadn't I picked up on these things before, you know? And so while I was in there, I read a bunch of other books. I read the Quran. I read, I read a couple of books on Buddhism. I got back out and I spent pretty much the next year just kind of diving headfirst into, into spiritual prospects and different things to help me grow. Um, and from that point, you know, I just kind of continued forward uh, with my life. And actually, though, I was kind of very into Buddhism for a couple of years after that, up until last summer, actually, was the first time I read the Bhagavad Gita. And that's because I was, I'd always had it uh, on my shelf. But when I, when I met up with Dakota, and this is the first time we'd met, was at a, at a music festival at a warp tour in the summer. He, he was with a bunch of monk friends. And they were some of the happiest people I've ever seen in my life. Hmm. And you know, they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, say enough about how if you have the Bhagavad Gita, you've got to go home. You got to sit down and read it. Uh, and so I went home and I read it. And, and just like he said, with with psychedelics and the Upanishads, for me, I was so into science when I was out of spirituality that when I began reading the Bhagavad Gita, I couldn't help but on virtually every page find a reiteration of what we're rediscovering, whether it be in in, in physics or in quantum mechanics, over the, especially over the past hundred years. I mean. For me, it was just it was it was so much that I had to put the book down very often and just and just step away and breathe. Yeah, it is one of those books where you're just like, oh, oh, yeah. gotta like grab onto something just because you feel like you're gonna like fall out of your body. Do you have that book yeah. nearby you, Coy? Do you have that book? <laughs> and that's around essentially, you? you know, what's kind of led up to now, you know. And during that time, just like Dakota, started a YouTube channel, started making videos on stuff that I found interesting, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Do you happen to have the Bhagavad Gita handy? Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of okay. them. Good. I can see like, I can see like four next near me right now. Right okay. here. All right. So uh just uh, go somewhere where you you <laughs> dug whatever it was. Well, I gave away the copy. I I, I should have done it, but somebody wanted to read it who was here and I gave away my copy that was fully highlighted oh and dog. Oh my god, you're so, crazy. So, so now, now I have a blank copy that I have to All go right. back. Well then uh yeah. <laughs> just do one of those things like the I Ching, right, that we used to do. You just Oh yeah. Well, the I Ching is like throwing stocks and then coming up with uh, enneagram. Uh, but just put put your finger somewhere and let's just see what happens. Page. Oh, oh, that's a good one. All right, uh, all right, here we go. Hmm, which which verse should I read? Any verse? Whatever. Yeah. A person who is said to be established in self-realization and is called a yogi. Or a mystic when he is fully satisfied by virtue of acquired knowledge and realization. Such a person is situated in transcendence and is self-controlled. He sees everything, whether it be pebbles, stones, or gold, as the same. Mm. That's great. That's a little like... Uh, it's just poetry. Yeah. Non-dual poetry. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the very tangible well, verse. Of and it's, it's very much like... Um, Equanimity. Uh, the retreat that we're at, uh, Ramdas uh, is the fifth, uh, sixth patriarch, Zen patriarch. Oh, yeah. That, the third, that's a good the third one. Third, third, sorry. Yeah, third. third yeah, so that <laughs> is very much like that, right? Mm -hmm. no, uh, the, ch the choiceless, no choice, no choice. Yeah, yeah. what's the first yeah, The first so. opening verse to that? Uh, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preference. Yeah. 
That's the opening. Yeah, it's yeah so that's good. the opening. So that's what the, this. That's amazing, huh? A, gr- a great way that uh, that Alan Watts describes it is just sitting beyond polarities. You mm. know, just seeing the polarities, good and bad, and then just stepping back a, another couple feet and looking at both of them from mm. outside. And that's not easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially in these times, right? That's part of what part of our day-to-day yeah. dialogue with the mm-hmm. extraordinary polarity that is going on in our country uh, between yes. people. Uh, it is just uh, hard to fathom. What's yeah? It is kind of weird that, like, how you said, how you brought like the correlations between the '60s and the and the now is yeah. like I can notice like this sort of trend of you know spirituality coming again or like the ripples are like you know just finally making it back up into you know become like a wave so it seems like cuz I I look on my Twitter and you know people that follow me and Koi and I'm mm-hmm. I see ohms in their names and Hare Krishna in their descriptions and stuff like that so I see like a second coming again I I see so often too a they rainbow have- tidal wave yeah, and they have like scripts in Devangari with like you know the mantras and everything in their in their bios. And these are like kids that are like sixteen, fifteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like there's definitely a second coming that's happening right now, and I think I mean it's it has to be with the I way the world is. What I've come to realize, especially from you know us growing up in this generation, is that the second like I think in the sixties and seventies that 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 kind of reckoning was Eastern spirituality mixed with psychedelics for a lot for most. Yeah, people. it's like one or the other or a combination of both. But but for us, I think what encapsulates this reckoning is, is technology, huh. and that access to all of those things and more. You know, so that wave kind of hit in the '60s and '70s, slowed back down a little bit through all you know the war on drugs and the everyone was okay in the '90s pretty much, and then now it's picking back up. And now that technology is such a vast realm of access to everything, right. including drugs and including Eastern spirituality, it's it's almost impossible not. To wake up in a sense unless you're trying not to or you're you know you're stagnant with whatever you're already practicing yeah i mean it's definitely inevitable i feel it's gonna yeah. happen. i don't know how can it, either that or we cease to exist as a species well yeah. s- again let's go you know hark back to what's going on right now and you know i think you are speaking this is what we have to really work on we're speaking to each other and reassuring each other that that's the case, and that there will be this this new wave of of people who are, uh, put it most simply, interested in compassionate action, for instance, mm-hmm. and that yeah. that is that is going to you know facilitate the changes that need to happen. Yet there is the polarization is pretty well split down the middle, at least in this country, if not also in Europe, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. uh, it's it's uh, becoming a worldwide uh, phenomenon for all you know uh, populist uh, right-wing stuff so what do we do about engaging those that we completely utterly disagree with and i mean at at the level of of this generation not uh, you know people in their that have set ways in their mid midlife mm-hmm. and so on i i think obviously you know love Treating them love with love is, is huge, but but a good thing I saw recently was you know just just giving them the time to explain themselves and you also engaging in conversation. I think the biggest the biggest misstep people take, whether it be from veganism to, to Buddhism to practicing spirituality, is that when they see somebody else who's not part of what they practice and doesn't want to doesn't want to hear it right now, they say, "All right, well, forget about you." You know, 
Yeah. You, you can't change people by shrugging, you know, brushing them off. There was a, a TED talk very recently about a daughter of one of the leaders of the Westboro Baptist Church, uh, who uh, they're basically a church that hold these huge signs that say, you know, God hates fags and they protest funerals for military and, and for all different things. And she was part of that. She was raised in it. And so she fully believed in it. But she ended up making a Twitter account. And instead of people, you know, spending their time trolling her, spamming her and messing with her, there were a, a lot of people actually who just would speak with her day after day saying, look, I understand you believe this, but here are some contradictions in the Bible. Here are some things that you're saying that God said you shouldn't do that involve these protests and these ways of treating other humans. And through this, you know, this actual reasoning of sitting down and loving this person, giving them the time of day to explain themselves and then us explain ourselves, I think with time, you know, especially with her being so indoctrinated with all this misinformation, when those cracks start to open up and you start to see through, it's, it, you can't ignore it ever again. And you kind of, they, they, it unfolds fully. And that's what happened for her. And now she's left the church and she's speaking out against it. Mm. And I think that can go wow. for pretty much anyone of any political, you know, reg- regime or, or religious institution is if, if you give them time and just sit and talk and explain yourself and, and be compassionate, people start opening up more. Yeah. Know? I mean, I also think we just got to walk the walk too and just <laughs> yeah. not really focus yeah. so much on like trying to fix other people and just really focus on our own practice and our own, you know, just be love. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like through that, I mean, our, our reality can only reflect what we are. So yeah. I, I feel, yeah, just like what Koi said, I feel, I mean, it sounds so cliche and kind of almost stupid to say out loud, but you know, just, love is the only way to transcendence i feel yeah well that that's the main that's the big difference between mahayana buddhism and theravada buddhism is that in theravada the goal isn't to go explain what it is it's to live that pure that pure lifestyle of love right. and awareness and non-attachment and when people see that they kind of instantly have this this recognition of that person being in the space that they want to be in and that translates over to them mm guys are so fantastic and optimistic uh, what do you what, what yeah. do you think how do you what do you think the outcome i have be? A, i'm telling you right now I, I still i have a hard time when i think you know when i see day to day what's going on and the things that are being enact, enacted by the government yeah this is kind of like when yeah. i asked around asked that question i was like how how do we do this when i look out and this is what i see and he just that's what he said he said you know just that's all in your head it's, and it's, what i always kind of struggle with is that you know, at what level is it just our attachment to wanting things to be better, you know, versus just being okay with how it is, whether whether it descends into chaos or whether it, it does get better, how much of that yeah. suffering is just us attached to the notion of, I want it to be a better world. Well, yeah, that, I, I think, I kind of think this that's, type of world. I think that's what kind of Ramdas meant by his answer when he told me, he was like, you can, he said, you can make boogeymen yeah. in your head. You can, you can make boogeymen all you want in your head. But that's ultimately all in your head because, I mean, it's all essentially just a judgment. We're, we're sort yeah. of just placing our judgments. Oh, this is bad. This is good. But ultimately, it just is what it is, and it's all a part of this process of uh, this metamorphosis okay, of blooming well, into something else, you know? To pull you back a little bit yeah. from <laughs> this, this goes to what Ramdas said at one point when he wanted to take a bus to go to Pakistan, uh, to go to uh, Bangladesh, where there was yeah. war going on, to mm-hmm. help people. And he mentioned it to Maharaji, or he asked him, and Ramdas, uh, and Maharaji said, no, no, you, that's not something you need to do. Th- Ramdas, don't you know it's all perfect? Now yeah. that's what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah exactly. But yeah. I just have to tell you, 
that even Ramdas saying it right now, he would never say it right now because he is not living. It's all perfect. Living yeah. it's yeah, all yeah, perfect yeah. is completely free being. That is not mm -hmm. living within the vicissitudes of us and them, choices, all of everything you just yeah. read from the, you know, it is something to aspire to for yeah. sure. But mm -hmm. I think the one of the main thing, actually, Ramdas and I just talked to him. I was just on the phone with him earlier. And he said, we just, we were talking about, it was a bit of a different situation, but had the same, um, really the same result is there. Living on a level, uh, and we were talking about how completely, uh, as w it was about aging, because we're doing this uh, aging into awakening course uh, that I'll, I'll be talking about, uh, uh, and it'll be on ramdas.org, by the way, people check it out there, and, and uh it's it's a fantastic uh, thing that I don't care how old you are, it'd be really helpful. So yeah. we were talking about how more steeped we are becoming in, in that essence that we called Maharaji as as time goes on and and how we share that. And you experienced some of that. By the way, everybody, we, we did a retreat in Ojai a few weeks ago. And Dakota and Coy uh, joined us, and it was a wonderful, it was a smaller thing than we usually do in Maui. And it was just a, it was like a Beautiful. sleepover with like-minded well, yeah, well, people. I mean, it was It was crazy. like a summer camp or something. It was very, very, yeah, it felt very, very cozy, which yeah, was, it was cozy, enjoyable. Cozy, yeah. I mean, yeah, by the end, we were all just like pretty much yeah, cuddling with each other, yeah. big cuddle puddle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, among some uh, real Dharma talks and meditation and yeah. yoga oh, and yeah. chanting, everybody. Uh, Endless thought songs. Yeah. So anyhow, but the way in which we've become so um, connected to each other in that essence, through that essence, which, again, we called Neem Karoli Baba, yeah. we call. Uh, and then, and I said, yeah, and then, but also endemic to that, as humans, we have this incredible attachment. Yeah. I mean, my attachment, for instance, just to Ramdas. I mean, it's it's going to be a very, very tough thing. I won't be able to sit there once his denouement happens of transition and mm -hmm. go, you know, really, we are not the body. We are that essence, that love, whatever you want to call that thing. And therefore, you know, it happened to me when, when Neem Karoli Bob, when Maharaji left, Ramdas mm -hmm. actually called me in 1973 in September and said, you know, and told me the story and I was like stunned, okay? How mm. could you, I was, basically I got pissed. How could you do that to me? I just met you three <laughs> years ago. You know, it was just a stunning thing. But then I got into this up level. Once a guru doesn't have a body, he's everywhere. So much easier to communicate with him. And, uh, and of course, on some level I, I do, I've, I did then and more now, under, know that viscerally but mm -hmm. on another level i was full of shit oh yeah of course <laughs> okay. yeah, you're yeah. always full of shit on some level i feel but it, yeah well so no so it's good but what we talked about was um actually being able to live on two planes of consciousness simult simultaneously yeah Okay, so we understand, yeah, that love that you're talking about, so that what, Koi, you said, what judgments are we making? Well, there's some intense judgments we do need to make on this plane yes, yes. and support and resist against that kind of thing that is going to create enormous suffering along so many stratas 
of life and this planet that we do at the same time, as Dakota said, we do, you know, we are that which is inside us is that love that is connected to everybody. It's not an us and a them. We need to. So how do we get those things to coexist? That's the big, big. Yeah. Million. Million dollar question. How how to essentially balance that optimistic nihilism with with (laughs) relativism of being here (laughs) as a human. Uh, Optimistic nihilism. That's great. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. So uh, moving forward a little bit, uh, just uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about how. So at some point you you got very steeped in Eastern traditions. Mm-hmm. You bumped into Ramdas, Ramdas, obviously, right? Yeah. And yes. uh, you know he seemed perfect. <laughs> Ramdas, uh, spirituality and acid, yeah, and mushrooms, especially mushrooms. <laughs> oh, yeah. started, uh, so that it's was all good. Game. So. So just, uh, yeah, Dakota, tell me a little bit about your, at that <sighs> point, how okay. did you start evolving? As Yeah, so I have all these mushroom experiences that show me God exists inside of me and inside of mushrooms and everything else. And, uh, yeah, I, I started to read. I went. Well, I do Warp Tour every summer. And Warp Tour, they allow uh, the Hare Krishnas to come on for free and just distribute books and this kind of stuff. So I was sort of getting into Eastern uh philosophy, Buddhism and Hinduism and, uh, Alan Watts, you know, is, was a big person for me. Good and, um, yeah. So, and then I, I meet, I meet these monks just, you know, there's a, a, my friend Prahlad, he used to carry around this big sign that said yoga, meditation, Eastern philosophy. Like basically here I am, come get a book. And he would just walk around the festival carrying the sign. And, uh, so I went up to him just cause I was having these experiences. I was like, Oh, I, none of my friends understood. So I need to take refuge in this weirdo that's with this sign <laughs> and uh we ended up just uh him and i he was a monk he went to did, went lived in india for a while lived and traveled all over the place just you know lived in, lived in a van for the last 15 years or something ridiculous and uh him and i just sort of hit it off and he helped me dive deeper you know he gave me the bhagavad gita and and uh we would read it all the time i traveled with him um all summer, last summer, we hit every temple across America, basically. We stopped at every, all the cool really? temples. Yeah, all the cool temples, all the cool farms, and all this little, you know, Hare Krishna communes and stuff like that. We hit all of them. Not all of them, but, you know, as many as we could. You hit a lot. We hit a lot of them, <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, just really surrounding myself with the energy that I wanted to be is how I, is how I kept getting going deeper and deeper and deeper. It was just, and it it was, it's ironic almost how how these people just kind of pop up in your life when you kind of open your eyes and then you, you know, it's just kind of, it's like you're walking a carpet that is just sort of unraveling as you walk along with it. And it's just like, Oh, here I am. And here, look at this. And you start seeing all these divine lessons and, and things, teachers that are just always been there, but you just weren't really paying attention. So that's where I'm at right now is really, uh, I, I starting to be able to see, the spirituality in everything. Yeah, that's, so that, that's a that's a good place. I th- I think I'm onto something here. Yeah, and you know, Koi, Koi's helping me a lot with that too. You know, just having him to sort of bounce ideas off and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, you know, most true. yeah, definitely. At our age, who, what what people are into it? You know, at least in the depths of the way Koi and I are into it. You yeah. know, not many, not many, very many people. So yeah, what I'm you just described bro, is probably called the guru. That yeah. all these doors open up and all yeah, these, exactly. Whatever you need, you get in the moment. Yeah, so that, I just that is I'm, what happens. Yeah. God, guru, and self. Yeah, I think Ramana that was Ramana Maharshi that said yes, that. Yes, Ramana Maharshi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And you, I think that's Koi? What, well, I think that's what makes Ramdas so so palpable and relatable is because he's a really kind of like an everyman type of guru as a, as a human and as a teacher. You know, it's, I think for me, at least especially when I was reading the Be Here Now and just the beginning of the book, you seeing the, the kind of difference between him in a, a suit and then him with this huge beard and this like super vibrant smile. It's, it's really easy to, I think, relate on a personal level for us because we may view ourselves as that first piece of the puzzle kind of transitioning in into that kind of free spirit hippie um, state. And I think that's, you know, the fact that you go from a Harvard professor super esteemed, very, very, you know, seeped in, in material mm-hmm. life to, you know, somebody sitting in, in India for, for months and months at a time and coming back and not wearing shoes and <laughs> just hanging out constantly like that. Uh, for me, at least, it was kind of, I think, the, from the first time I read Be Here Now, which was, I think, when I was 18, uh, that was the first time I really had had seen somebody have a transition like that you know i really had recognized that oh wow people aren't just always gurus or they're not always <laughs> full of this you know this endless well, knowledge actually, <laughs> okay well I'll, I'll just step in on that for a second just to yeah. elucidate well first of all ramdas doesn't consider himself a guru start yeah. there he's a teacher <laughs> and secondly the real siddhas the real quote-unquote one we call a guru mm-hmm. uh, they are born like that yeah, yeah. They, so. they they come in like you cannot just come in and, I mean, Ramana Maharshi laid down when he was sixteen and and said, "I'm not getting up till I find out who I am. I'll die." Yeah, yeah. That kind. But, just but you that, don't think that just happens because they have that sort of spark that initiates that sort of feeling? You think that's something that happens from birth um, rather than just some sort of life experience? Yeah. And I think that, the fact that's where, that that's where I kind of get get got confused and was kind of like overwhelmed was because the same thing happened with uh, Sri Ramakrishna. You know, he he was I think thirteen or fourteen, and just without a guru, without a teacher, really was just explaining all these these non dualistic concepts and just talking about Kali at a level that you know his superiors or the other swamis at his mission had no idea what he was talking yeah. about, and they they're like, they're, they're, you must be copying someone, you know, or, or you know you must have heard this and wrote it down, and now you're saying it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he just always was I, there. He was illiterate. It was, yeah. it was crazy. I actually uh, uh, met somebody recently, an, another free being, Baba, and I. We knew he had a couple of gurus uh, that mm-hmm. he came up with, uh, and uh, ultimately he said, uh, "No, I didn't get anything from them. I mm-hmm. I came in with what a who I am." Huh. I guess that's hard. Hard for 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 me. I think. That's hard for Westerners to get, you know, because we're just so not used to that. You know, we, I don't think anywhere in the Western world we really see people, especially young age, just saying, you know, I've, I've got all of this. And so would you say, like, share it all with you. what would be somebody outside of, like, that region that has that here? Like, I guess, like, Mother Teresa or something like that? or No? No. No, no, no. no, no. So you think, <laughs> no. It's, you think it's region-specific? No, no, I don't at all. I mean, there was a mother from France of Sri Aurobindo, and she was in that. Uh, space, but yeah. uh, that uh, she came in. I mean, she, and she spent a lot of time. I mean, it's way more subtle, and you know, nobody knows knows. You know, I mean, we're talking stuff, but uh, in my own experience with with, uh, I have met a few right. completely free beings, uh, siddhas, and uh, it, it they went off when they were teenagers into the forest, or they were grabbed yeah. as a Tibetan, and when they were three or four years old. You know, those those things don't. There, there's no okay. I I needed a certain 
life experience before I was going to yeah. be able, you know, this, it takes a, a gazillion billion to get to the year, uh, incarnations to get there. But uh, yeah, neither here nor there. So from where you were at, at this point, what made you want to suddenly, what, share this stuff? YouTube it? What? Oh, you can't. How can you yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like when you have your first like acid trip or something. How can you not just go like screaming at it at the top of the mountains? Tell everyone you know. Uh, that's, so, that's do, do you know about this? Am I the only one? Let me explain my experience to you. <laughs> that's how it was kind of for me. Well, actually, you know, I once I started learning about it, I wanted to share it, but my you know my ego was still you know just as strong as ever. So for me, I was like, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to talk about spiritual stuff on camera, like. Who does that? Plus, I'm young, so like no one's gonna listen because yeah. I'm not I'm not old with a beard and I'm not gray. So yeah. who's gonna listen to a kid talk about <laughs> all yeah. this stuff? Um, but actually, what well, for me, luckily, it was I had no no intention whatsoever to make YouTube videos or to start speaking about these topics. But a friend of mine who had she had made YouTube videos, different, totally different stuff. You know, hers was more like she, like material stuff. But she was like, look, people find that stuff interesting if you talk about it. You know they're gonna they're gonna watch it you know you people will, it, will yeah come. yeah exactly if you build it they will come and i was like you know it, it took me about a month to, to muster up the courage <laughs> to, to shut myself up enough egotistically to say okay i'm gonna make these videos you know i'm gonna try to do something um and then i started doing it and it's just kind of grown ever since and i just you know since that point i've never let myself stop for more than i think i think i've, I've never gone like more than a week without posting a video really? so in two and a half years I try to post, you know, two to three a week. So yeah, I'm I'm not, that's not my case so much, but (laughs) no, (laughs) no, I actually started YouTube when I was starting YouTube. It was like silly. I was making silly videos, like eating junk food and like pouring soda all over my head and dancing to music, just like crazy YouTube videos. And I was just, I was still into all this stuff, like all this Eastern stuff. And I just never felt, I was like, oh man, people just don't want to hear that. No one wants to hear me talk about (laughs) God or anything, you know, bad word. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it took me so long. Koi was actually an inspiration for me as far as like just being like, whatever, I'm just going to, because I saw, I was, we were still, I was kind of doing spiritual stuff, but not really in like the kind of way that, you know, being directly, but I was kind of, I, I was so, sneaking it in there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Your way of presenting information though is so interesting because, you know, mine's more of a sit down, talk about it, have cool little visuals. Yours is like, whoa, I'm out in the forest, Hinduism. And you're like yelling at the camera, which is to some people, the shorter attention span, or maybe they don't want to sit down and watch somebody just ramble that, you know, your stuff. I loved your stuff when I found it. Yeah. Well, it's just so like, it just keeps you like paying attention. Yeah, 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 exactly. It keeps you paying attention. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, I I don't know what, what, as far as what got me into it. I think it's important for me. I, you know, I think even just making videos is is part of my meditation, you know, it's part of my practice. Oh yeah, totally. It's super, super. It, even if I'm, I'm trying to make a video about something I already know about, I'll learn more instinctually from from doing research and from like trying to compile yeah. it down into ten minutes than I did before. And then I can, you know, once the video's done, I'm like, wow, I, I learned more about this topic making this video than I thought I knew when I was going into making exactly. it. Exactly. What's the most uh, watched uh, topic uh, that you've put together? A couple of them, in terms of what you're talking about. That'd be Yours interesting. Is, is, Yours is pretty cool. I think isn't yours um about a suicide note you found? Oh yeah, I worked at a morgue for a for a few months, and uh, I just told my experience that that got a lot of views. But as far as like spiritual topics, I find my most viewed videos are a all morgue about... is pretty spiritual. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it it is. can be definitely. No, it definitely is. 
but yeah, psychedelics for me are the stuff that get my most views on my channel. Mm. Cool. Mm. I guess it was yours, crystals and lucid dreaming, that kind of more mystical well, my, my, side. My biggest one is lucid dreaming. Oh. And I pretty most of the emails I get are about lucid dreaming. Really? Uh, but my second biggest one, actually, oddly enough, which I never really expected, was uh, a video on how I quit smoking weed. Which I guess, <laughs> for some reason, I guess I guess a lot of people don't want to smoke weed right now. All but right. That's yeah, for, what actually was funny too though is I, I made a video on Hinduism, you know, and and sometimes specific religious videos, they only get sometimes you know thirty, forty thousand views, which is pretty good. But the Hinduism video has, I think, almost a quarter of a million views, two hundred fifty thousand yeah. most. Jeez. My biggest religious video of all, out of nowhere. So that was really interesting for me to see that 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 many people wanted to learn about hinduism that was really really inspiring that's really amazing yeah yeah oh um lucid dreaming i'm that's interesting subject i've done a couple of podcasts actually with lucid dream around lucid dreaming i don't know you i don't know if if you've heard this one particularly particularly is with john lockley who is a south african sangoma uh shaman who that is one very essential part mm-hmm. of yeah. their uh, of their whole uh, journey, and uh, if you haven't listened to it though, Koi, you probably like it. It's mm-hmm. he's really a fantastic guy, but yeah, tell me a little bit about your own experience with lucid dreaming. Oh wow! Uh, well, for me, what I, the reason I think lucid dreaming is important for me at least, lucid dreaming was in astral projections, which is they're similar but different. Those kind of experiences, I think, really can help you cure your fear of death and just like realize, besides psychedelics, that there's some other experience besides just this p- pure conscious experience we're having when we're awake in day to day life. You know, I mean, we have dreams. I feel like, for me at least, I feel like a lot of people don't take dreams seriously. Or they don't realize how incredible dreaming is. Uh-huh. But lucid dreaming, when you're aware of your dream and you're in the dream saying, This is a dream, right? I can. I can move in this dream and I can, I can understand what's going on conceptually. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing because nothing prepares you for that. Nothing prepares you for the fact that you can go to sleep and still consciously be aware and observe and watch and do things in your dreams. Mm. You know what? Something that trips me out is daydreams. So I can be like staring off right here. I got my puja stuff over here and I can look at this and then while I'm looking at it also be in another daydream <laughs> and like being like levels of, awareness at one time i always find that trip me out mm. when i when i catch myself daydreaming i'm like oh i'm paying attention to all this stuff but i'm also paying attention to some weird astral creation in my head mm. i always yeah. thought that was trippy yeah that's a little long lines of imagination that is how uh many many spiritual practices have that as mm-hmm. a, a central part of being able to um open the door to other planes of consciousness is uh-huh. imagination. And certainly Ramdas talks about it in terms of talking to his guru, our guru, Neem Karoli Baba. And that, uh, yeah. that is, that is the way that the door opens to allow that presence uh, to come in. And, and, but similarly with lucid dreaming, you know, um, over the, a main way for a, uh, enlightened being, uh, to contact, uh, his or her devotees is dreams big time big time and we were you know we were told early on that uh any kind of dream of in this case uh, for us it was maharaji you were having darshan that was no different than the physical plane so that plane and this plane so so uh you're understating i even think koi how important 
yeah putting some relevance at the very least on dreams i've done it all my life uh, and and even learning how to do lucid dreaming which john lockley uh, explains in this and and that's what's so amazing about it is it's how simple it is it's it's one of the simplest things ever because you don't need any you don't have to be under the influence of anything all you have to do is rest for a little bit wake up and then lay down and keep your conscious awareness present until you kind of fade into that dream and if not that there's there's kind of i don't know if you've ever seen the movie, movie inception but in inception they have they have things called totems and so if they have their totem in their in the inception world they know they're in a dream and similar with lucid dreaming you can you can have these commonalities you do while you're awake and then repeat them in your dream and if you can't do them you kind of know you're in the lucid realm that's what i do that's what works the best mm. so uh say like counting to five on your fingers is very easy you go one two three four five one two three four five very simple when you're in a dream and you, and you get used to lucid dreaming you start getting into it you attempt to do this right you try to think about your fingers and moving them and when, when you can't which is pretty much instantly you have that kind of snap awareness of okay i'm in a dream now what you know yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I forget where I read, but even in Hinduism, it says, look, dreaming, I think it's an invite to Vedanta. They were speaking about, they speak about dreaming and, um, through Swami, Swami Vivekananda wrote about it saying, you know, dreams are the exact same reality as waking life because yeah. it is, it is a, it's an experience. It's a real experience. You close your eyes, you have a full experience and then you return to this experience, you know? So what is the difference between returning, going from this waking experience to the dream experience? And the difference between the dream experience coming into the conscious yeah. awareness experience—they're mm-hmm. both just—they're they're two sides of the same coin. So you—you yes. you have to take seriously that they are, you know. In yeah. fact, Ramana Maharshi says the same yeah. thing. He says, "This is mm-hmm. you're you're dreaming right now. You're just not lucid about it." Exactly. You know, I have a dream journal. I have a little notebook I keep with me, and every single time I dream, the first thing I do is I get up and I write in my dreams. Mm. And that's also a tool you can use for lucid dreaming because the more you remember your dreams when right when you wake up, the more you get used to you know backtracking and you start thinking about even writing them down while you're in the dreams yeah. and then you again snap into a lucid dream once i went to india with a, a group of people a spiritual teacher <coughs> that we knew in america way back when that I, I don't think i've ever talked to you about you guys it's just another story <laughs> yeah. a fun story uh and i went you know krishnadas and i and ramesh you know who you met in Ohio, and it it actually was a rough experience. We were taking her to all of Maharaji's places, and she was uh, kind of like uh, a bit of uh, a shit disturber, you might say. <laughs> okay, I don't want to say a be, shit disturber. A shit disturber. In other words, uh, you know, like like we had all these wonderful family people and she was like this woman from Brooklyn and she had a foul mouth and she would be doing things that were not, shall we say, polite and genteel according to the, you know, to our yeah. family in India. So anyway, it was, it was, I'm, I'm almost out of school on this because it was really <laughs> way out there and people are still very angry about it and for, and she's not alive anymore. Uh, but what happened to me, and this is more around dream, I had, in three nights in succession, I believe, Maharaji came to me, and I had his darshan, and he told me what was going to happen each day, and mm-hmm. it happened. I I don't uh, know why. It, maybe I really needed preparation. They were like extreme kind of situations, crazy situations, right, Among, uh, between this this teacher and us. And so... Talk about the two 
the levels of of consciousness, right. the dream, oh, yeah. and the and this intermingling in that way was an extraordinary experience, uh, to mm. say the least. Yeah, that is interesting. Very much like when Maharaji would say, in this plane, he'd say, oh, you, and he'd tell me what was going to happen to me two <laughs> days later, you know, meeting yeah. a Tibetan Lama. I mean, this uh, I won't go into the whole story. But the way that these planes mix Mm-hmm. is yeah, quite phenomenal is and and so part of the the road i believe is being able to find a way to be comfortable with living on yeah. different planes at once and and mm-hmm. that way not being so locked into to any kind of this is the only way or right. choices and so on very very difficult uh, and in fact i said to ramdas we had a i think we ought to do a podcast around this and talk about you know how do we simultaneously live on different planes of consciousness. Uh, I think that's why those experiences are so important because once you really start paying attention to these different planes of experience, like I said, y- your fears with life, death, this being the only experience, they start to really, really diminish a lot yeah. because you start, you know, when you're present to different realities and different planes of being, well, what else could there be? You know, if there's, if there's one, if there's two, if there's three now, well, why would I, you know, suspect that these are the only one, two, or three? Yeah. Right. And yeah. it gets it gets what much more common to see that there's, you know, potentials beyond just that nihilistic kind of this is it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, there are certainly we're dealing with this plane of consciousness. Yeah. All the time, we're dealing mm-hmm. with this dream plane of consciousness all the time, and mm-hmm. and potentially once we're on the path, can access a consciousness that uh, like of maharaji that is not necessarily on this just plane the or the consciousness. Yeah, it's just, just sits yeah, beyond sits that you behind can all actually it. yeah that you yeah. can actually relate with and as, as yeah. yeah these something that weird happened to me about a month ago i read so much like ramana maharshi before bed that's just like what i my nightly ritual I'll, like just read on my phone whatever be as you are a book that people ask him questions and he answers you know and uh i fell asleep and he came to me in my dream and I was able to ask him questions in my dream hmm. and whatever, whatever answer I would ask, I, he would explain it to me and however he would explain it, you know? So it, it's so weird. Like you said, these, this correlation of like the intermingling, like how am I accessing some external message or information that I'm not, I don't, I'm not, you know, maybe it's me digging it into myself, but it's not like something I'm this answer. I'm, I don't, I don't feel like I have it inside of me, but then I have like this dream or it's psychedelics or something. And they feed me this information. Like I, like they're telling it to me, like I'm downloading it. Yeah. Well, that's what we are. Our belief in the external, our belief in duality, our belief in our uh, Mm -hmm. mind bodies is so strong that we could not possibly dream that, that everything is is with with you know God Guru self is real. Yeah. I mean you know, yeah, know and and you can't you can say it, but uh, it I takes a, to actually actuate it within oneself is is of course <sighs> a, a big purpose. Terrence, even Terrence, after you have it, you can still talk about it. But you still don't you know. I've had Terrence, the experience Terrence a few times. McKenna has a has a quote that goes you know we're so dissociated from you know the totality of being and understanding where our you know our soul and our mind is that when we meet. Our guru, when we meet the soul, we think it's an alien, or we think it's something external, or something right. separate from us. When it's not, yeah. because yeah. we're just so raised in this culture of yeah. detachment and, and being separate from everything else that when we do have these experiences, we can't accept that it's always been here with us and that it's, yeah. it's, it can continue to be here. But again, yeah. it's easy to get in your head about yeah. that, and that's yes, one of the so. biggest, <laughs> biggest issues. 
is is just up leveling yourself to death on all this stuff. I mean, in oh, yeah. the truth, when you're with a being like that, that's all true. And you 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 know, we would like beat the shit out of each other to get closer to that thing and hold <laughs> on to it for dear life, right? I mean, because that thing was so good, man. Um, and at the same time, there would be other moments when there wasn't that thing, that thing in the blanket. It didn't exist. We were just yeah. in it. Yeah. We were in that essence and in that place completely. So at least, you know, it gave us a bit of a rudder. Um, I think that's that's the biggest issue with, with Westernized, Western world and spirituality is that we, we, no matter how much we learn, we our brain still wants to rationalize it. It just, I mean, it just still, can't get away from me, rationalization. Even you guys saying this, like, you know, I'm just like, yeah, but what's the point? Why yeah. is this existing? Like, why is it <laughs> happening this way? The ego loves nitpicking. It, it, loves, it loves defeating itself. Pretty much, you know. Yeah, it yeah. says, "Why well, you, you feel good right now? You get this, but what about this? Maybe I can <laughs> get yeah. you away from that warm, fuzzy." Well, place. I'll tell you one thing that does happen as years go on: you stop giving a shit about that voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just don't pay attention to it as much. You just let it. All. Yeah, no, it's there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to turn the tables. Is there anything you could possibly be interested in? related to this whole arc thing from the 60s to present times and the involvement of consciousness and all that and um and we were somewhat narcissistic at those days you guys are uh, this generation in my mind is way more interested in helping the next guy out uh, mm -hmm. than we were yeah. back when back then um and yeah so do you have any questions for someone like me oh <laughs> I guess my question is, why do you think the youth of the 60s and 70s allowed, you know, this political system that we have now to kind of come into fruition? Because obviously, you know, the people that grew up in the 60s and 70s are the, the lawmakers and the, and the citizens now of, you know, most of Congress, and most of, you know, the government. Yeah, that's a good question. You know what I think I, about that? I think <laughs> that... I think it's part or of Or more the, so how do you, you know how do you feel about that? Is it Well, it feels awful to me. Look at those people. <laughs> it's awful. Um and, but there's some, you know, there's some great people. I mean, there's, you know, mm -hmm. look at uh, uh look at someone like Bernie Sanders. I don't know. I mean, he's in, yeah, he's a boomer, yes. right? You know, he's in his yeah. 70s or something, you know, maybe a little bit older. But look at him. I mean, he started out back then. I used to live near near um Burlington, Vermont, and we knew of him as the mayor and he was this yeah. amazing progressive guy. And I think that there wasn't enough of that. There was oh, a yeah. lot yeah. more of, of uh, me, well, me, me. Even if it was spiritual me, me, me. Right. That's what I think the big difference is. Between well, and all the hippies, the true hippies that stuck it out, you know, they're still, they're dropped out still. They're still in doing yeah, whatever, right, you know. Right. Yeah, so they didn't go into politics, basically. Yeah. Or or kind of social action. I mean, there's a lot more of that these days, Uh yeah. In or terms of organized pioneers, social venture network, those are two great examples of people really trying to to apply uh, their their lives in a compassionate way through so to to do social action. So, I I think that uh, I think that's part of it. Very uh, there was yeah. a, just too much uh, narcissism <laughs> related yeah, to uh, you know either dropping out or becoming spiritual. Mm -hmm. uh, and less of uh, maybe, I mean, it was more around protest and being angry, yeah. but the, That's the, why there I wasn't so a lot of Bernie Sanders, I don't think, as many right. as we would hope for to be in, in, in Congress right now. 
Yeah, that's why I have, I think, faith now in this generation and change. Because like you said, in the 60s and 70s, it was, it was more so, you know, following people like Timothy Leary, you know, drop out, tune in, turn on, drop out. Just kind of get out of the system completely. Just hang out, just be here. But now it's kind of, especially with social media and technology, it's like, no, 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 tune in, turn on, yeah. but stay in, you know, stay in, stay it, in it and get into those positions where you can actually create change versus dropping out, um, which I think is the pivotal place to, you know, we'll see what happens over the next 20, 30 years yes. if there actually is change because of that, because people, you know, understood that this is a system. It is, you know, faulty, but instead of leaving it and then saying, screw it, let's, let's, you know, let's stick it out and see if we can get in there and, and fix it from the inside yeah, out. See, I'm the opposite. I'm just like, oh, let's just burn it. Let's <laughs> yeah. burn it to the ground. Let's get rid of this. Mm. But yeah. That's I mean, harsh that, though. That, oh, it's harsh, but I mean, I don't think it allows because it. You always it have to allow... think of other people and what they're going to go through, you know? Yeah. yeah exactly. But I, mean, I, think I, that... I think of people and what they're going through now. And I just feel like the system doesn't really allow the sort of change necessary. Like yeah. within like, it's very limited. Hey, in, like, listen, what just, parameters. It may be happening. Oh, know? it's happening right now. Yeah. I feel like Trump is like the, the, the uh, like dying, like lash of a scared animal or something like that. The mm. last embers of a yeah, the last embers of like yeah. just desperately trying to grab hold of you know a log or something as we drown. Yeah. That's right. Trump. That's uh, uh, that's the end of the podcast. Now we leave you with this <laughs> wonderful sentiment from Dakota. Um, no, I think we uh, I think we have reason to go back to the very first words you said in this podcast, which were. I Love. really believe that there is a a wave and mm -hmm. and both of you said what you see from your YouTube channels and the age of people that are interested in yep. obviously opening up to themselves and knowing themselves. Yeah, I mean uh that is uh the most encouraging thing and it's it's what uh it's what we're trying to do at uh, ramdas.org part of the Love Server yeah. member foundation this be here now network uh, podcast mind rolling podcast all of the teachers that are involved and thought leaders is is absolutely to nurture uh to, to nurture that that's all we can do is nurture yeah. that part of ourselves that we can share with with uh, other people and and be as inclusive as we possibly yeah. can knowing you know the tremendous difficulties in terms of the polarization of the camps in this country um so i i appreciate you guys and what you're doing i really do oh shucks <laughs> thank you thank you thank you very much <laughs> yeah well we appreciate what you did and what you do yeah especially i mean if, you know in some ways i'm sure you know you're a big part of why we're here mm -hmm. thank you thank you i mean this is we uh, all love each other yeah this this mm -hmm. is a great um it's a great way to just look at a thread of continuity and yeah. see it possibly moving yeah. forward and in a way that really can have an effect in, yeah. in in the future on people being able to eat, to be able to drink water, to yeah. be able to have a place that's not polluted, and to be able to be free, all of uh, to make choices, all of these things, that is worthwhile, you know. Yes. That is not uh, BS at all. So thank you. Thank you for thank everything you. you do. This is, uh, oh, and, you know, we hope to see you doing more podcasts and stuff well oh yeah this is sure. no different than what you you take we put this up on youtube as well under the be here now network because i'm doing a mm -hmm. video recording as well and we put it up there and uh uh yeah share it so oh yeah for no, sure. definitely of yeah. course <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i, I think see. 
I think that's the biggest thing that I took away that I was I was talking about on our live stream the other day was that when you're at retreats or when you really do start finding the spiritual people that kind of you want to be around that you are around, you you really see how you know the soul is kind of timeless and ageless. You know, regardless of you know we were in a big room with us being twenty year olds, you know, through fifty, forty. 30 Whatever. 70 year olds full age groups and everyone was on the same kind of level you know of, yeah. of being as yeah. a human and, and we don't get that in daily life because we're so used to going out and seeing the angry 50 year old who's coming home from work and you know his past advertisements you know, and, yeah, yeah and you know just we, we see those kind of those those illusory dichotomies and when you come into a place where you can be around people that are still in their souls or trying to be in their souls at least you really get that that ageless feeling which is once you can i think feel that tangibly it really again helps cement your practice and what you're doing, you know, mm. and realizing That's that facilitated by you. Yeah, mm. definitely. So very thank you for doing it. Changing good. the world, as they say in <laughs> India, very good. Very good. <laughs> very good. All right, guys, thanks a lot. All for right, this. Uh, thank this, you so much, Raghu. This is mind rolling on the Be Here Now Network. Go to beherenownetwork.com, and uh, we'd love to hear more from you, and we'd also love your support. Uh, either getting a little uh, Amazon link and putting posting. Oh yeah, you guys can help. By the way, okay, this is mm -hmm. I know this is crazy, but if you could encourage your peeps to get that, because a lot of people buy stuff from Amazon. So yeah. they yeah. go to beherenownetwork.com and we have the Amazon link right there. Mm -hmm. You just copy and paste it into your browser, and whenever you want to buy something from Amazon, you go there and. It has got us coded, Be Here Now Network coded, so that we get a couple of percent of everything that people spend. So it costs nothing to the person, and it's just, oh, yeah, and it's just an exercise like in doing it, and that way uh, we can get supported. That would be oh, yeah. fabulous if you helped us out with that. Yeah, so, I'll start using it too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. Thanks All again, right. guys. Howdy, Bo. Howdy, Bo. Howdy, Bo. Howdy, Bo. Howdy, Bo. Rum, rum. Rum, rum. <laughs>